This is Why Libertarian, the show dedicated to telling the stories of libertarians new and old, promoting libertarian values, and fighting against authoritarians, statists, feds, and anyone else who would like to steal your liberty and freedom. I am Matthew Strzok, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this episode. Enjoy. I vote Libertarian. Now, there are a lot of reasons why I vote Libertarian, but I'm going to share with you one of the biggest. And it's as simple as two words. Unintended consequences. For far too long, we've made the mistake thinking that intention is much more important than result. Intention is important when it comes to getting something passed in government. But result is important when it comes down to evaluating whether or not government should actually have done it in the first place. And I have a hard truth for most people that will listen to this video. The vast majority of what government does does not result in something that means it was worthwhile for the government to have done it. There's a saying as of late that goes, the road to ruin is paved with good intentions. But it's actually derived from an earlier quote from Virgil. And that quote tells you a lot about why I vote libertarian. And that quote says, the descent to hell is easy. Libertarians believe in liberty and freedom and personal accountability those things, those concepts are not easy. Being personally accountable is not easy. It means that you get patted on the back when you're successful, but it also means that you need to deal with the repercussions when you make a bad choice. Bad circumstances happen to everyone, but those bad circumstances are not the main determinant of whether or not you're successful in life. Whether you're successful is determined by how you react. Whether you get back up, brush yourself off, learn, and move forward in a better way than you did prior. Now, neither major party has a monopoly on this problem of focusing on intention versus actual results. In fact, they just disagree on what programs they would fund and initiatives that they would undertake. The unfortunate truth is, the only time you hear about results is when one candidate is campaigning and uses those results as an attack against the other or as a way to show that they did a good job. But let me introduce you to an additional issue that's buried in this idea of intent versus result. And it's the idea of opportunity cost. What do you give up when you dedicate time and money and other assets to a given initiative. Well, you could have rededicated that time and money and other assets to a different initiative, something else that might have resulted in much greater performance. And yes, quite possibly lower performance. But herein is the crux of why 
The government should not get involved in picking winners and losers. It should not get involved in dictating choices for individuals within the United States. The choices that they make completely disregard your personal decision-making. The choices that they make on your behalf are based off of what's good for the majority. And in fact, a lot of folks will argue it's not even the majority. It's a vast minority of individuals who they listen to that help get them elected and reelected. That's it. And that opportunity cost argument goes completely out the door because the opportunity costs that they're weighing are on the part of that small contingent of people that they listen to. And here's the sick thing. They'll use the opportunity cost argument and try and flip it on you and say, well, if not for this, then we wouldn't have been able to achieve this. The problem with that, though, is that, and there's a saying that goes along with this, government is really good at doing one thing. They break your leg, take taxes, and make you pay for a crutch, and then say, look, if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't be able to walk. Now, there are multitudes of examples of unintended consequences, literally thousands of them throughout the 240 some odd years that this country has been in existence. But I'm going to pick out just two of them that are the most important, they're recent, and more importantly, they are catastrophic. The first of which is the subprime crisis. The fallout from this crisis was felt in 2007 through 2010. But in truth, it started literally two decades prior. It had to do with crony capitalism. Anyone who's unfamiliar with crony capitalism, you'd better get familiar with it because it literally dictates a lot of what the federal government in the United States does on a day-to-day -day basis. Essentially, banks found a way to create an investment vehicle and then have the government become the end buyer of that investment vehicle, namely bonds made up of mortgages. Now, the, the positive intention was that we're going to get every single American to be a homeowner. Real estate is the access point to personal wealth, building wealth and personal prosperity. We're going to make every American a homeowner. Well, the problem with that was when this really hit overdrive in the late 90s and early 2000s, they had to take Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which were essentially taxpayer-funded vessels for purchasing these mortgages from investment banks, and they had to reduce the underwriting criteria that they required for those mortgages to be written. So a lot of folks will point the finger at the investment banks, and you know what? They are no choir boys. They are not without sin because they're the ones originally that leveraged the representatives within the federal government to get them to do this. But the root cause of all that happened, all of the carnage and destruction from 2007 to 2010, was the result of elected public officials, politicians, basically allowing banks to write mortgages for people that couldn't make the first payment. But the intent was positive. Let's get everyone to own a home while disregarding whether or not they could own a home 
or whether or not they were financially able to own a home. Now, here's the most convoluted part of that entire ordeal. Only a few people went to jail, and none of them were the architects of that crisis. There was no fallout. There was no political backlash. The majority of the architects of the regulations and the rules that happened in Washington, D.C. got reelected the next cycle. In fact, they campaigned on promises to fix the problems that they had created. Broken leg, meat crutch. Now, the second and final example I'm going to give you hits really close to home for me. It's the student debt crisis. Now, it's admirable for folks to want to go to college, get an education, better themselves, and in turn end up helping out the community that they live in and the country as a whole. More educated, capable citizens help things out in the aggregate. The problem is that as soon as you start setting arbitrary quotas, as soon as you start thinking that every single person deserves to go to college, the moment that you think that every single person wants to go to college or needs to go to college, you now have the underpinnings of a gigantic problem. And that's how you end up with over a trillion dollars and growing of student debt. And the downstream effect of that is families that don't get started. It's homes that don't get purchased. It's businesses that don't get started because that seed capital is going to pay off student loans. Now, I diligently make my mortgage payment every single month, and I took out way more than I should have, and that's partly on me. But you know what? A loan is a two-party transaction. There's the borrower and there's the lender. And in this case, the lender is either the federal government, whereby they subsidize loans that students shouldn't have taken to go to overpriced universities to get to get degrees that not, were not worth it in the end because the average salary was not nearly capable of being able to support that amount of debt. I took some of those, and luckily enough, I majored in engineering and then ultimately got an MBA in finance. So I'm able to carry that debt burden. I'm able to make those payments. Doesn't make it any less painful, but I make them. The second group of lenders was private banks. Private banks who used crony capitalism to make it so that you could not dispose of student loans in bankruptcy. And if you had parents or other family members or friends that co-signed, they couldn't either. So much so that if you as a student borrowed $100,000, your parent co-signed, you died in a car accident, now that lending company is coming after your parents for all of that money, and they can't get away from it either. Unintended consequences. The intent was very altruistic. It sounded great. Let's get everyone an education. We'll all be smart. We'll all have great jobs. But at the end of the day, not everyone needed one or wanted one or had to have one. And more importantly, it interfered with the free market mechanisms that for decades had kept college costs reasonable. The competition amongst the schools was much greater when there was limited capital and limited demand. 
when there's unlimited demand, you get folks that supply products that are substandard. It happens time and time again. And the problem is, we keep suffering the same mistakes year in and year out. And these are just two examples. There are literally countless others. Unintended consequences harm the folks that originally you thought you were trying to help. And in many cases, they can harm folks that you never thought would be harmed in the first place. For those reasons, I vote Libertarian. That's my story, and I would like to share yours as well. If you vote Libertarian, if you choose to live your life by Libertarian principles and ideals, I want to tell your story. You can do so by shooting a video that's 10 minutes or less. Please provide at the beginning of the video your first name. Begin with, I vote Libertarian, and tell your story. Finally, share that with me using a link or another way of uploading your video to the following email address, whylibertarianvideo at gmail.com. I'll also share it in the comments below. Please, please, please like, subscribe, share, comment, and hit the notification bell. Let's make sure that everyone in this country understands what libertarian truly means and why someone might vote libertarian. And remember, in 2020, vote gold. Thank you again for tuning in. This is a quick reminder to subscribe, like, share, and comment to help get the message of liberty and freedom in front of as many folks as possible. See you next time on Why Libertarian. Why Libertarian?